never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Batman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast whose hosts each represent a diverse circle that overlap to become a Venn diagram of all your pop culture needs. My name <laughs> is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me is my brother, Peter. Here. Uh, how are you, man? <laughs> Pretty good. That uh, There was a lot to unpack there. I was really, up till the last minute, I was trying to figure out where that was going to go. But uh, I think it's decently accurate. I think we've got a pretty broad range of things we represent, but also, um, you know, we have those core, core, uh, franchises and stuff that we both love, of course, but see, you're taking it to that level. Ultimately, (laughs) ultimately I was looking at it as I'm always trying to come up with some nerd pop culture thing. And then I thought we've never done a Venn diagram joke. How do I do that? (laughs) 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 Nice. Um, Anyway, so yeah, it was the Venn diagram that was the reason for that one. Anyway, um, hey, we uh, were recording a little bit late this week because of a medical emergency on my end because I got uh, took a rock to the eye and <laughs> scratched my cornea while mowing the lawn. Wear your safety glasses, everybody. Um, <laughs> so I'm a little I'm a little behind in the watching category, but not by much. Um, I don't know where you are. Um, yeah, so I last weekend I was out of town. I went on a uh, camping trip with some friends, which was super fun. But I really started to fall fall behind on like all the uh, the copious amounts of shows that are being released right now. I was definitely falling behind on all of those. And uh, like you said, we're recording a little bit late, um, so I'm a little bit more caught up. But I'm still like there's certain things I wasn't able to fit in, unfortunately. But uh it is what it is. I've just had a super crazy busy week, actually. But um, I have good things to say about the things I have watched. And it's really I'm not completely caught up on Andor. I've only watched two of the three of the three episodes that are out right now. And uh, it's really uh, rings of power that I've fallen behind on. I think I've got two episodes to catch up, catch up on at this point, unfortunately. Right. So it is what it is. <laughs> so if I have it, so I have it right, just because my brain is just trying to catch up uh, with Rings of Power. We had the first two, which you and I discussed. Yes. And then we have the third, right? That's it. I've watched the and, third. And then because today this is the weekend and we're recording a little bit late, there's a fourth one that dropped. Isn't there a fifth one, too? Like, I think I was thinking that's that where the fourth I, and that's one where I'm a little confused. Um, <laughs> I think the fourth one dropped right after we recorded last week. And then the fifth one just dropped right before we recorded. And that's why I feel behind, because I've only seen the first right. three episodes. All right. Then I've watched the fourth one. OK, um, nice. And I've watched the fourth. Um, 
so you haven't watched the fourth then, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, so this is where I'm behind. I'm behind on Rings of Power by one episode, um, I believe, because we had the one that recorded yes that dropped yesterday. Because we're recording on a Saturday, we usually shoot for Thursdays. So this week we're recording on Saturday. So I'm one behind, but I'll have that ready hopefully by the time we hopefully if I can see properly. Um, it's hard to like look at televisions <laughs> and screens. Um, yeah. So, uh, but doing a podcast, I just get to sit and talk for a little bit. So that I can do just fine. Um, uh, Lotor or Rings of Power, I'm a little behind on just because of the one episode. I really enjoyed um, seeing the city of Numenor. Um, Yeah. uh, I thought the architecture was beautiful. um, But I really, what I'm finding with this show is that, again, it doesn't feel as real as Game of Thrones, and okay, it's unfair to compare them. But I, it's the gritty look of Game of Thrones compared to the bright and shiny, yeah. clean Lord of the Rings. Like everything in Lord of the Rings looks too clean, um, and for a billion dollar show, it doesn't feel dirty enough. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, otherwise, I thought Numenor was a gorgeous set piece. Um, getting another character that we know, Isildur, that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm I'm really curious to see how his path cruises along because he's the guy that uh, fought Sauron uh, originally when the when the One Ring was finally forged. So um, ultimately, I want the rings to get added into the equation. That's that's where I'm at with this because this whole story is supposed to be the dividing up of the rings, and that's what I think. I think we're all waiting for that. And I think my my attention span is going to be is going to really grab once we know what's going on with, quote unquote, the rings. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that's kind of my thought on Lord of the Rings. I don't know if you have any aspect of that yet. So my thing. Well, it's kind of like I said, I'm like two episodes behind right now, technically. So it's like it's honestly going on two weeks since I watched <laughs> the third episode. So I, my memory of the show I think is a little bit foggy, but uh, the third episode, and I'm glad that you mentioned attention span. Cause that was my only issue with it is um, I feel like there was from what I don't know. And I don't know if this carries over to the fourth episode, but I feel like there was like glaring pacing issues. Uh, at least that's how I felt like I, in the third episode, I felt like there's certain things that could have been handled so much quicker. And uh, with that being said, Drew, I think I've came around where I actually, don't like the super long landscape shots and like the architecture shots and stuff like in the first two episodes I was like this is awesome like I like that they're you know taking certain shots of the show to uh kind of linger on the atmosphere and and stuff like that because it's really a lot of those shots are really beautiful but I think of the third in the third episode it started to get to me where I was just like like, it's cool looking, but I kind of want the story to be moving out along a little bit faster. <laughs> so I've kind yeah. of came around on that argument. And I am enjoying it. Like, I think everything they're doing, I'm enjoying. Like, I think the conclusions that these characters are eventually reaching are awesome. I just think there's certain things that uh, could be paced a little bit better. Like, in the third episode, I thought some of the uh, some of the Harfoot stuff lasted a little bit longer than I thought it needed to and stuff. But um, I can't remember. Was the third, the, was the third episode, the one with the warg at the end? Man, 
the the reason I bring that up though is because I there's do a lot feel of, like I do feel like with this show the episodes are blending together. Absolutely, just like, just like the movies did. Just saying. <laughs> I I feel like a lot of people online were complaining about the Warg saying that the CGI looked bad and stuff, but I actually thought the Warg looked pretty cool Um, from like a creature design aspect. I actually kind of liked it. It looked maybe a little bit more cartoony or exaggerated than maybe most people would want, but I actually kind of liked it. But uh, I do, I do understand that some people just thought the CGI was a little bit spotty, but again, it goes back to what we were saying before, where it, it all has to do with that budget. And, you know, they paraded this billion dollar budget in front of our face so much. And so now we're going to be out there looking for all the little cracks <laughs> yeah. in this, oh, in this show. Yeah, absolutely. Money well spent, guys. You know, we're going to be doing that. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. So I think we need to be a little more fair, I guess. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, and then She-Hulk, um, I have not watched this week's episode. Oh, no? Okay, I just watched it last night. It's and super fun. But... I have watched this week's episode is because I took a rock to the eye and had to go to the emergency. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have an excuse there, so. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the only valid excuse I have. Um, so I haven't watched this week. Um, the previous week, the really only big takeaway for me was the seeing the Daredevil helmet <laughs> box. But... That was just the tiniest little like tease. And I was like, really? Come on. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, Um, and I was kind of bummed that there was a bonus scene at the end of that episode for some reason. I was like, well, that was weird. Um, (laughs) But uh, so, yeah, I have to watch. Is this week the finale? I okay. I do not believe so. And there's interesting. Yeah, because typically the Marvel shows are six episodes, but there is a line of. uh, You know how uh, Jennifer Walters looks at the camera and she does that like she talks to the audience at certain moments. Yeah, there's a line in this episode, like pretty close to the beginning where she does that. And it really insinuates that there's more episodes to come. I didn't actually look at it, look it up, but she says something and I'm not going to I'm not going to spoil it at all. But she says something where it's like, oh, I guess this isn't the season finale, but oh, My takeaway from She-Hulk, and I really realized it this week, is we've talked about the show and we've talked about like from at least for me, the shorter runtime is actually pretty refreshing. And uh, there's some elements of the show that I've really been loving, some elements that I think are a little bit corny, but it is what it is. But this episode I watched and I realized that this show is almost and I don't like using this term for anything, but I feel like this show is almost like a guilty pleasure for me because there's literally there's aspects of it that I feel like aren't really the greatest. Like, I think there's aspects of it that I think are kind of uh, silly or corny. But at the same time, I just realized when I was watching the this most recent episode, I really like this show. And sometimes it's really cool and sometimes it's just really cheesy dumb fun but i'm just like here for it and i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but it's just something i realized so i thought that was kind of funny uh from my own standpoint yeah no i'm i'm with you there it is kind of a it's i think it is trying to draw on a different audience for marvel but it's also i feel like it's being a nice big bridge to certain things Uh, yeah and it's answering a lot of questions that we had lingering um which is great so yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. some of the the other thing I'll say is some of the stuff that I've complained about before, like I did think it felt a little bit shoehorned in to have a full episode about um, Jennifer Walters, like dating profiles and stuff like that seemed pretty irrelevant. And I kind of do still feel like that stuff seemed a little bit forced, but a lot of those aspects are coming full circle like they are you know, certain things that happened two episodes ago are actually coming back into play with the new episode. So it, whether you like some of the choices they make or not, they do seem to have a payoff if you watch the show long sure. enough. So I'll just sure. leave it at that because I don't want to spoil anything oh, for you. I gotcha. Well, let's move on. Um, let's move on from those um, real quickly. Let's talk about House of the Dragon. Uh, right. That episode was amazing. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely amazing. Um, I cannot wait to see this. That was the last episode for the young actresses. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we're going to and what an episode that was. And then now we're jumping ahead to the older act- actresses with Emma Darcy and uh, Olivia Cook or Coke or however you say her last name. Um, I'm looking forward to that this Sunday. Hopefully I'm able to actually visibly see the show. Um did you watch the pre the preview after the show? Yeah, for, I always watch the previews. And if you're watching on an HBO Max, I always stick around for the inside the episode stuff, too. Um, yeah. So what I the reason I bring that up is because you do get a glimpse of the new actresses they're using for both of those characters in the next episode. And the one thing they pulled off and I don't know how they did it, but they did pick two actresses who look like the older versions of uh, the younger female yeah. actresses they used. And I don't know how they found people who looked that close to the actresses. And now really the only thing in question is how is their performance going to be and how is their charisma going to play out? And are these older versions going to be characters that we can really glom onto? But as far as just the looks of the characters or the actresses that they chose, it just looks spot on. And I'm kind of impressed with that so far, you know? Yeah. And then we're going to see an older, what, a 10, maybe 11 year old version of Aegon. No, he'd be 12. Oh, good call. Aegon the second, he'd be 12 ish question mark, maybe 13. He'd be in his early, he'd be in his early teens if they, uh, depending on how they do the jump. Um, but we, we're, we should see a, you know, a, uh, adolescent version of Aegon the second, which would be cool because I don't know where he would get hooked up with Sir Duncan, for example. So yeah. when, you, when you look at the uh, idea of Duncan, the tall being involved, um, the Knight of the seven kingdoms, if you will, um, clearly you should not go to a wedding in Westeros. Yeah. <laughs> um, like weddings are very deadly places for some reason. Um, but yeah, dude, if you're going to, if there's a wedding in Game of Thrones, do not think it's going to be a bright and shiny, happy uh, affair. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I do think they could have played up some of the tension there a little bit. Like they could have shown a little bit more of what caused that uh, fight to break out. But I do think, I don't know, Got Hot D is knocking it out of the park, in my opinion. Like every episode just keeps getting better. This is, like I said, there's copious amounts of TV shows coming out right now, but this is the show that I look forward to the most every week, and I have to watch it right away. So it's kind of, I don't even know 
what else all to say because I feel like I'm just going to be repeating stuff we've said about <laughs> other episodes but I, I just thought it's just so solid like it's hard to even know where to begin you know yeah um I will bring up this king needs to get his whatever this disgusting ailment on his arm under control because yep. he's got some kind of infection they need they're like we need to amputate the arm at that point um and I wonder if this is an early grayscale kind of a thing um they just need to say it um but we'll see as that unfolds. And then I really want more dragons. Like, yeah, we got a glimpse of some dragons because the the Valerian guys rode their dragons to the wedding, which was awesome. But I, I, we want to see some dragon stuff, not just them flying toward the cities. Um, and I know well, that's and I know that's coming, but I just want I want to see it. <laughs> to be fair, like, what are we four episodes in? I don't know if it's four or five, but I feel like we've gotten we have gotten a lot more dragon stuff than maybe I was even expecting so far. And it does go back to what we were saying on a previous episode of our podcast, where on game of Thrones, there's going to be some episodes that's going to be a lot of dialogue and plot building. And then you're going to build up to, you know, there, it might only be two or three episodes a season, but you are going to build up to those really action packed moments. And, uh, I when think, you get to those moments, it definitely makes those plot building episodes uh, totally worth it. I think some of it is when you see Rhaenyra on a boat going somewhere and you're like, <laughs> true, you're a dragon rider. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why are you on a boat? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so, fair. <laughs> I could, I could just be, it could be wishful thinking, but I know the dragon stuff's coming. Um, let's talk about Andor real quick. Um, yes. You said you watched the first two episodes. I watched the three for the full premiere. Um, it is very clear when you get to the end of the third episode why it's three episodes, because I'll tell you that first episode by itself, I found it very lacking. Oh, wow. In many ways. And here's my reason. First off, I am. I don't want to call myself a Star Wars apologist, but I do have a blind love for Star Wars. It's Star Wars. I'm going to love it. OK, yeah. Um, it's because when you truly love something, you like it for all the good and then all the bad. Now, I'm not saying that anything bad is an Andor, but Andor is a different Star Wars piece of media than we've ever gotten. And um, if you did not tell me that that was Star Wars or I didn't know going in that it was Star Wars, to me, those first three episodes look like any sci-fi show I've ever seen. OK, it I could, agree with that. It could be anything it was so far off the mark um in terms of like yeah it visually looked like star wars in many ways but in many ways it felt like any sci-fi show i'd ever seen so i would agree with that and i take that as and i look at that as a negative um because star wars should always feel like star wars and very several parts of those three episodes in my opinion did not feel like star wars um but so I will agree with that 100 percent. And um, I don't I'm don't, I don't want to go on a huge tangent here, but I do have a friend who told me that he loves this uh, series. And one of the things he said is it it is a great departure from what Star Wars has been doing. <laughs> and I thought when he said departure, I thought that was really weird because that's not necessarily what you want to hear about a new Star Wars show like you want to hear this is what Star Wars should have been doing all along or like this feels so perfectly Star Wars to me, but it does have that. It does have a different feel from um, previous Star Wars movies and shows, but it also, 
I don't want to say like visually everything in the show does fit in with Star Wars, but at the same time, like you said, it could be something else. Like there was moments where I was like, well, this whole screenshot or this whole scene you could have put in, I don't know, Elysium or Pandorum or like a bunch of different like random side. Yeah, like there's so many parts. It could have got like it. Yeah, there's so many parts that feel like they could just be something else. And not in a bad way, but it just there's yeah. it doesn't have that um at least from what I've seen that like hardcore this is for sure Star Wars sort of uh personality to the series. And I, I don't know. One big aspect again, sorry, I didn't mean to go on a oh. tangent because I don't know where you were headed with what you're saying, Drew, but it does go with kind of what we've been saying before, just from watching the trailers for this show that there's not a lot of aliens and like that is I feel like that's pretty glaring in the two episodes that I saw. It felt like it's like 98 percent human characters and you'll have an alien come in here or here or there. But it's almost like they're only using aliens for specific uh, plot points. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, every other character is human, which I it's still it is good. Like it's a, it's a good story. And I think. um the amount of human characters that are in there does bring an, an, a level of like relatability to everybody. But at the same time, I think it's the imaginative aspects of the alien species. And uh, some of those aspects I do think seem like they're missing a little bit, if that makes sense. Uh, yes, I agree. The um, I, I talked about this uh, before and or released that it looks very human based as opposed to alien. And it, it, there are aliens in this, but there's no familiar aliens. Yeah. Uh, there's a big blue one. He's a big, tall blue guy um, that I thought was really, really cool. Felt very Star Wars for an alien. I uh, had a cool voice. I was like, oh, that was a cool alien. But there's no familiar <laughs> yeah. aliens. There's no Rodians. There's no Aqualishes. There's no uh, Celestians. There's no Mon Calamari. The days I of the Star Wars Cantina, I think, are over. And I think that's a really sad thing. Yeah. Uh, I do I do like the sort of um I don't know what you'd call them like junk junkyard dog esque aliens that they oh, had yeah. in there too. Those, those dogs uh actually actually are in solo. Um, oh oh you're you're right. Okay. So, I didn't realize it was the same species, but yeah, so good call. When, we, when I first saw them running, I was like, ooh, these look like an alien version of the dogs that they had in Willow. Yeah. And um the way they were running i was like "Ooh, this is like the sci-fi version of those like someone yeah. said skin it and throw it in the movie or throw it in the show <laughs> like take the fur off and then put it in there um that's what i took but then when i got a closer look i was like oh those are the dogs from those are those like security dogs they were using in solo which I, good call cool, cool callback they pulled something from a movie it's something familiar um <laughs> the the buildings the streets the clothing there's a look Let's talk about the good real quick. There's so much good in here in terms yes. of storytelling and what they're doing. We have to look at this as this is a show about espionage and spies within the Star Wars universe. This is an origin story for Andor. OK, Cassian Andor. These first three episodes are basically like his origin, because I think after you get to the end of the third episode and you see how all these three episodes roll in and how the two stories were juxtaposed together with him as a kid versus him as an adult how it's juxtaposed together and all the connections are made by the end of that third episode. I think we're set in a really good 
trajectory to get into familiar territory with stormtroopers and tie fighters and so on and so on and the rebel lions. Oh, nice. I think we're in a trajectory to do that. Um, but these episodes alone could have been any science fiction show I've ever seen, and that, in my opinion, is a negative. And everyone on the internet is raving about how this show is amazing. Like IGN is saying it's amazing, and you know, like uh, Giant Freaking Robot and Screen Rant and Collider and all this stuff. They're all saying the show is amazing. Um, IGN says um, Andor is exactly what the Star Wars franchise has been needing. Uh, there's no legions of stormtroopers or flamboyant Sith inquisitors hunting down fugitive Jedi. Uh, there's just Cassian Andor and a scrappy grifter struggling to stay one step ahead of the problems. Okay, I don't know if this is something Star Wars needs because Star Wars is supposed to be for 12 and 13 year olds. It's supposed to be for kids. This yeah. was very not a kid show. Um, there's some things in here that I don't think have any place in Star Wars, like sex, for example. Um that has never yeah. been the only time sex has been something that's been needed to understand in Star Wars is when you need to know whose parents are whose parents. Um, so we actually got an actual like in um, uh, I, I don't want to call it a sex scene. It's more like it was an implied sex scene. You know what I mean? And you saw someone putting on clothes. So you actually saw a girl in her underwear. Um, that's <laughs> never been, that's never been seen in Star Wars. Yeah. Padme wore some, like a couple like racy outfits. And the only other time you saw a character was an underwear was Luke when he was in the Bacta tank, but it was medical. So it wasn't even really underwear. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, this is that, that was a first for Star Wars. That's not Star Wars visual language. So I thought that was a little jarring. Again, this is not a normal Star Wars audience. So people are like, this is what Star Wars needs to be. Well, this is what Star Wars needs to be for people who don't know how to write Star Wars. This is a I think this is like the first time we're seeing George's influence no longer on the table. And yeah, that scares me a little bit. But we're at the beginning of a 12 episode series that's going to carry into what we know and love. So I want to be very cautiously optimistic going, I know you guys are on the right track and everything right now on the surface looks good and i'm with you but there's a couple things that i was like that's not star wars you know so yeah i would agree with that and just going back to the um i don't want to linger on it too long but the uh the sex scene that was in episode two or whatever i don't yeah. know if there's more to it but that's the one that i saw i think some of that and i usually dip, typically don't mind stuff like that too much but i do think some of that was some of those shots definitely were a lot more graphic or suggestive than you would expect for a PG audience, which is typically what <laughs> Star Wars it's, is. You know what I mean? It's not. It's. I don't even, have a even with, you, I don't have you a even problem have, either. I have a problem with it in Star Wars because it changes the narrative. Well, and even even there's shots of uh, I think her, Bix, I believe it, her name is. Um, yeah. There's shots where she's com like fully clothed, but those shots are still like extremely suggestive. So, yeah, right. it definitely is crossing some lines there. Right. Um, like I said, this is a show about espionage and they're trying to this is Cassian Andor is kind of like the Star Wars version of James Bond. So there's a degree that I'm going to let go a little bit. OK, yeah. Because I think the show is really, really good. And there were three really solid episodes. And I thought they were great. And when you get to the end of the third episode and all the pieces coalesce and you're going to go, oh, man, that's awesome. Like, it just sets the table. 
this is great. We're headed in the right direction. But again, this could have been any show if you didn't tell me they were Star Wars. I so, will say this, though. I love the opening title sequence where they yeah, show that was, that was great. Show. It kind of appears like the like the alien title, but I but I really like the uh, um, the Andor logo. I think it's really cool looking. Anyway, it no, the logo looks great. I like that it's kind of like a it plays a trick on your eyes where you think you're looking at like a moon. an alien moon or so. Yeah, exactly. And then it becomes the Andor logo. Like that was so cool. Um, but uh, no, I just think. I I don't want to keep going around to this. I yeah. feel like this does need to be addressed. That IG, I think you said it was the IGN article that was saying this is exactly what Star Wars should be. And then it says like there's no stormtroopers running around or flamboyant villains and stuff. And it kind of I feel like that's kind of a spit in the face of all the things we know and love about Star Wars. And right. I feel like having like flamboyant over the top villains isn't. Like, there's been people, a lot of people complaining about different uh, Disney Star Wars movies or shows, but I feel like the core traditional Star Wars elements aren't the areas of complaint normally. Like, it's kind of more so they didn't like the way the writing was done. But I feel like don't say, like, we don't want to see stormtroopers chasing people around, because, like, (laughs) we definitely do. Like, it's Star Wars. We love it. And, um kind of like a random plug but there was this old youtube video of uh this dude doing like a four part acapella song by himself i think it's called moose butter i think it might be the youtuber's name is moose butter but basically what he was doing is he did a this like four part acapella song by himself where he sang all of uh john williams most famous um themes but he sang them with lyrics and all of them were an ode to star wars (laughs) And there's a part where he's singing the Indiana Jones song. And when you get to the kind of the end of like the main uh, Indiana Jones theme, it ends with um, it's spaceships, it's monsters, it's Star Wars, and we love it. Like that's the last lines. And that's just how I feel is like, yes, this show is going a different direction, but we still want those spaceships and monsters and the Star Wars stuff we love. So don't like IGN, normally I love what you do, but just don't slap us in the face with like that sort of rhetoric. That's <laughs> really all I'm saying here. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> Agreed. Um, again, I think this show is great. I think it's going to be great and I cannot wait for more. But I was, it was, I thought it was jarring in the sense that I didn't necessarily feel that I was watching Star Wars. However, I really like what I watched. <laughs> so, right on, right on. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm not – I'm going to be there, and I'm going to be talking about it, and I can't wait for more. And if you said, how do you watch Star Wars, I'd be like, well, you watch this movie, then this, then this, then this, and oh, Andor fits right here, and then this, and this. You know what I mean? Like, you watch these things in certain ways, so. Yeah, this is like – from what I've seen, this is actually one of my favorite um, Disney Star Wars shows for sure. Like, I feel like I, fe- I sound so disparaging, but I think it is like – it is super good, but there – are the aspects that we're going to constructively critique, you know, Um, even with that being said, it's still like, I I think it's really good so far from what I've seen. So, yeah, one last point and then we'll go to news. Um, I absolutely loved this at the beginning of the show. I like how they're showing us the planet names like uh, Rogue One did. Um, Yeah. But uh, at the very beginning when they show it's like Morian or like however you pronounce that planet name. Um, it said BBY, fi- BBY5. Um, if you don't know what that means, BBY stands for the Battle of Yavin. Uh, okay. 
um, uh, battle before Yavin, or sorry, BBY, before Battle of Yavin, that's what it means, um, which is the battle where the first Death Star was destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's BBY, five, meaning five years before the Battle of Yavin. Okay. Uh, and that is something that goes all the way back to original Star Wars novels that they would tell you where it fell based on the Battle of Yavin. So you knew what time period you were reading. They treat the Death Star, the destruction of the first Death Star as year zero, if you will. So you have everything mm-hmm. before Battle of Yavin and you have everything after the Battle of Yavin. Um, and I think I thought that was so cool that that was there. And that's a huge point to um Star Wars history, in my opinion. So yeah, especially for Disney um, acquiring Star Wars and then throwing the um, extended universe out the window right away. I think it's that's kind of a cool callback for the yeah. uh, long term, long time fans, you know. Yeah. So anyway, um, Andor, I can't wait for more. Let's talk. We'll talk more about that. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Let's talk about the news, shall we? Uh, we got a, yeah. we got a handful of things that dropped. Um, since we're talking about Star Wars, we'll start with that. Uh, Darth Vader's James Earl Jones officially retires from voice acting. Um, wow. It Yeah, wow. Uh, it's sad to see that. Um, but with the re-speature technology, if they have to use Darth Vader again, they probably have just enough in the can to have James Earl Jones' voice live on in infamy. Um, and he's forever immortalized. Um as Darth Vader, but James Earl Jones is officially done. But that does show the fact that even if he is done and we're still hearing James Earl Jones voice, Halo still has it wrong because they're not using the proper voice for the message. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I was going to say, and it, I'm sorry, but I'm going to continuously slam that because they're wrong. <laughs> so <laughs> I was going to say it, it is sad to hear that uh, James Earl Jones is retiring, but at the same time, you have to look back on his career and how many different like, awesome characters his you know he's performed as and how many just great memories we have you know whether it goes to um star wars or you can look at like mufasa or the sandlot or like there's just so many characters i've grown grown up with you know like uh field of dreams there's so many movies i can look back on and celebrate this man's career so he's definitely going to be remembered but it is sad to see him go at the same time so yeah um, on another Star Wars news, with all the stuff going on with Kenobi, Andor, Bad Batch, Boba Fett, Mandalorian, all this stuff, um, all we're, right now we're getting a lot of shows, and I know people are looking forward to what the next movie is, right? Well, the next movie we were supposed to get was supposed to be Rogue Squadron, which got delayed because of Patty Jenkins' schedule, and then they said it was back on the table because she was able to work things out. There's a report right now, and it's, right now it's a rumor, so we don't entirely know if this is true or not. So I don't want to say, yes, it is. No, it's not. Um, the rumor is is that right now Rogue Squadron is being pulled off completely and shelved indefinitely. Um, wow. Which sucks, because I really, really, really want to see a Rogue Squadron movie. I actually think Rogue Squadron would be really well done as a television show, to be completely honest. Um, yeah. However, my fear with Rogue Squadron is the Top Gun effect because Rogue Squadron's all fighter pilots, and after seeing mm-hmm. Top Gun, how are you going to be able to get that level of intensity on a, on something like that? <laughs> so you, um, <laughs> you also run the risk. I don't know. I this probably won't happen, but there is the slight possibility that Hollywood's going to go, oh, people like fighter pilot movies, and they start doing a bunch of yeah. Top Gun clones, and you do run the risk of like 
if that does happen, not saying that it will, but if that does, you don't necessarily want Star Wars to just glom onto that trend as well. Um, no. But that's just kind of a, a potential future we could see ourselves living in as all. Well. Right. <laughs> I'm waiting for the next Iron Eagle movie. So, yeah, um, it's going to happen. Um, in other Lucasfilm news, uh, Indiana Jones 5 is coming out. Um, we've heard a lot of this. Obviously, Harrison Ford's coming back. We keep They keep talking about Phoebe Waller-Bridge being a part of the cast. Um, I think that's cool. I think she's a good actress and a good writer and stuff. So that's cool that she's being included. Um, but it was nice to see this recently um, that Karen Allen, who plays Marion Ravenwood, will be returning for Indiana Jones 5. Um, still waiting to see the trailer, but I was just happy to see that she's back. Nice. Uh, the last we left them, uh, Indiana Jones and Marion Ravenwood had gotten married. So um, for whatever her role is, awesome. <laughs> okay, uh, moving on. Let's talk about Blonde for a second. Um, I'm really, really excited to see this movie. Like, really excited. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I forgot what you were talking about for a second. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. Blonde, I'm excited Bellum for this movie with Ana de Armas. I can't wait to see this. Um <laughs> Well, I thought it was like I thought you were talking about a character like there was a character named Blonde or something or like oh. you were gonna segue into like I don't even know I I don't even know but yes I am looking forward to this movie as well. <laughs> well, Anna Diarmas was on uh, Stephen Colbert and she was and in her interview he was talking to her about preparing for the role and stuff like that and she said uh, that um, they got this big card everyone in the crew wrote a message to Marilyn. Um, then they went to the cemetery and put it on her grave. It was almost as if we were asking permission in a way to tell the story. Everyone mm -hmm. felt a huge responsibility, and we were all very aware of the side of the story we were going to tell, uh, the story of Norma Jean, the person behind the character, Marilyn Monroe. Who was she really? Now, yeah. in the interview on Colbert, they played a – first off, I think that's really cool that they sort of asked Marilyn for her permission to do the movie. Absolutely. Uh, the in the interview, Steve, they show a clip from the movie and it's now if you don't if you don't know uh, the story of Marilyn Monroe, Marilyn Monroe was the character. Norma Jean was the actress who was the character, almost like in this split personality kind of a way. And um, the I don't know if I'd call it a split personality, but it, it was almost like she had her on screen demeanor and her off-screen care like yeah. who she was off-screen who she was on screen so there's that line in the trailer where she's like i've played marilyn monroe so many times but no one ever saw no one really knows norma jean who i really am yeah the clip they play is a clip of her in the dressing room in tears trying to get marilyn to come out so she can go on stage and do her thing mm. and the the as an actor, the ability to change like that in front of the mirror and become something else, it was startling in the most jaw-dropping way of amazingness. Um, I honestly don't know, like the word "awesome" in the actual meaning of the word "awesome," it was incredible. I'm willing to put money on it right now. She gets Best Actress at the Oscars. Hands down, it's going to happen, and the movie itself gets Best Picture. And if it doesn't, Top Gun best get, gets Best Picture. But she's getting Best Actress <laughs> for sure. Um, I, I almost can guarantee this is your Best Picture, Best Actress. It's it's locked in place. 
uh, the way the reviews are coming out of the film festivals and stuff like that, like it's almost locked in place. Um, nice. So I can't wait to see it. I think it's next weekend. It hits Netflix. Um, oh, great. So um, I can't wait to watch. Um, all right. Here's some quick hits. Um, Blade Runner 2099 series officially moving forward at Amazon. Cool. Nice. Um, I haven't watched. I need to watch the newer Blade Runner, which I had never got. Same. To watch. Um, <laughs> but I'll probably watch that and then get caught up on because this sounds cool. Because um, I like the original movie. Um, so let's dive in and see a little more of that world. Absolutely. Um, David Habor or Harbor, however you say his last name. Um, set to star in Gran Turismo for Sony. Oh, weird. Okay. Uh, so there's going to be a Gran Turismo television series. Um, what I think is cool about this is um, the Gran Turismo. Oh, it's a great, it's a movie. Okay. Sorry. The Gran Turismo movie for Sony with director Neil Blomkamp. Oh, sweet. <laughs> uh, uh, Neil Blomkamp, you know, directed uh, Elysium, Chappie, uh, District, District 9. District 9, yeah. Uh, the project described as the ultimate wish fulfillment tale of a teenage Gran Turismo player whose gaming skills won a series of competitions to become an actual professional race car driver. Okay, uh, then. Right, exactly. So, I don't know if that could be kind of cool. I wasn't expecting a Gran Turismo movie, but hey, cool. <laughs> I wasn't either. Um, it sounds like the video game is actually an element of this movie, which... Unless I'm hearing that wrong, but no, that's what that I got. Seems, that seems unexpected too. Like I figured this was going to be something closer to the uh, Need for Speed movie, but um, also Neil Blomkamp, awesome director. Not who you would expect they would pick for this. Like he's typically does like these weird imaginative sci-fi movies, but <laughs> apparently, I mean, he definitely could do this. So this is just a really uh, surprising but interesting story. I think. Yeah. Um, all right. Quick Marvel news. Ant-Man three writer will write Avengers, the Kang dynasty. Um, so, okay. Uh, Jeff Loveless, who wrote the upcoming Avengers sequel, will focus on Kang the Conqueror. Um, so he wrote Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania where Kang will be featured in the movie. And then he's going to write the, the Avengers Kang dynasty. What I like about that is when you look at Endgame and Infinity War, those writers also wrote all the Captain Americas, Thor the Dark World, like, yep. wrote these pivotal pieces that became so important when you looked at the nostalgia. So when you got to things in Infinity War and Endgame, where they looked back at these other movies, and you're just like, oh my god, the story threads, because they're the same writers, <laughs> you know? Um, I think that's a really strong thing to have. So maybe he'll get his hands on some other movies, too. So they'll have that sprinkled throughout. Absolutely. Um, it's it's hard to know what to say because we haven't seen Ant-Man 3 yet. But right. this does seem promising. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Sony sets Karate Kid 5 movie for the summer of 2024. Um, I don't know how I feel about this because, I mean, sure, let's do another Karate Kid movie. But we have Cobra Kai, which yep. is absolutely amazing. The show is fantastic. I just haven't watched the current season that just dropped uh, because there's so much to watch. I was kind of like, I'm going to save Karate Kid for when some of these other shows start to fall off. And then I'm going to watch Cobra Kai and it's going to be amazing. Um, mm -hmm. When the last season of Cobra Kai dropped, I watched it in a day. And then I was like, well, now what I'm going to do? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I just don't know, is this going to be... 
completely reboot separate from all the Cobra Kai stuff that's been happening? Like, what is this? Um, there's not a lot of news for it other than uh, they're shooting for June 7th of 2024. Um, no filmmakers or other details were revealed, but it's described as the return to the original Karate Kid franchise. Um, that's what I thought Cobra Kai was. <laughs> yeah. Slash and is. So I don't we'll see <laughs> this. This is either going to be awesome or it's just going to be a cash grab where they're saying, oh, Cobra Kai's big. Let's you know, and we have the rights to Karate Kid. Let's do something in that universe. I'm hoping that it's something really good and they have a good story to tell. But uh, only time will tell on that, I guess. <laughs> exactly. All right. Um, here's one that I thought was really cool. And I don't know how like part of me doesn't know how to think, but part of me thinks it's awesome. Keanu Reeves will be returning for a Constantine sequel. Yes, uh, I heard about this. I think this is cool. Warner Brothers will finally make a sequel, Constantine, 17 years after the film released. Uh, Keanu Reeves will return along with the original film director, Francis Lawrence. I like Francis Lawrence. He's a good director. And if, you, and if you're wondering what else has he done, he went and did a bunch of the Hunger Games stuff, too. Um... um uh, Akiva Goldsman uh, will also produce along with Bad Robots J.J. Abrams um, the J.J. Abrams Constantine show that was going to go to uh, HBO Max has been officially cancelled that might be because of this news I don't know They I don't know if they're together or not um, I think it's cool to get Keanu Reeves to come back the only thing that I don't like is I really really enjoy Matt Ryan as Constantine yeah from the Arrowverse and all the animated projects um so Keanu Reeves is fine because I really enjoyed that original movie but I just thought if you look at who got the character a little bit more right I really like yeah. Matt Ryan better so absolutely I think that's uh with what you just said I think is a perfect way to think about this story because the Constantine movie with Keanu Reeves is obviously a departure from the character we know from the comics, but at the same time, it was just such a badass movie that we all loved. So I think this is really exciting. I don't think you should go in and expect this to be, if you want a close adaptation to the Constantine from the comics, I think you should go with, uh, I don't know the actor's name, but who you were just talking about from the Arrowverse, Matt like Ryan. their portrayal. Yeah. Matt Ryan, like that portrayal is so much closer to, what you actually would expect from this character. But at the same time, the Constantine movie was so great that I think this is really exciting. And I yeah. can't wait to see what Keanu Reeves and this director have to give us for, uh, you know, this new movie. Yeah. Now <laughs> it's been 17 years since the release. So I wonder if they'll do real time and it'll be 17 years movie time too, which would be kind of, cool. that would be cool. So, um, all right, so sometimes we got one more bit, and then we will go and talk about tonight's list, or today's list, since we're recording middle of the day. Um, every now and then, when the com the conversation of, oh, you have a podcast, what do you guys talk about, um, comes up, and it's like, how much, like, how do you guys come up with your content? Well, to be honest, a lot of content makes itself, like, that's kind of like the easiest part of the show, to be completely honest, in my opinion, because... The, the entertainment news happens. We watch a movie and then we talk about it. You know what I mean? But just, to, <laughs> just so you think about, like, where are we getting all these? Check this out. Here is the lineup going forward of all the things that you can expect us to be talking about. To round out the year of 2022, we have Amster Amsterdam, Halloween Ends, Black Adam, Weird, uh, Black Panther, Whale, 
Avatar, and Glass Onion. Okay, that rounds out 2022. 2023, then we get Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, John Wick 4, Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man uh, Across the Spider-Verse, Part 1, The Flash, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, Part 1, Oppenheimer, Barbie, The Marvels, hold on, late 2023, Blue Beetle, Craven the Hunter, Blade, Dune Part 2, Wonka, Aquaman and the Last Kingdom, Madam Wed, Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse, Captain America, New World Order, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 2. That rounds out, that's late 2023. And even beyond that, we get Thunderbolts, Joker, Fantastic Four, Avatar 3, Avengers Kang Dynasty, Avengers Secret War, Avatar 4, Avatar 5. There is going to be a ton more crap coming, so we don't have any plans of going anywhere because we have all the stuff we still need to talk about. <laughs> I'll also point out that you're only talking about movies as well. I know. And there's so much on the TV front because I was expecting you to mention like the Wednesday, the Adams Family show yeah. on Netflix or like the uh, It prequel series on HBO Max. Yeah. Like, there's just so much going on that, yeah, there's... There's no shortage of content. The challenge is really just for Drew and I to come up with top five lists. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, you know, what's interesting is, um, you know how, remember the movie Ghost? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> when they talk about the reason the ghosts exist is because when the individual dies and the spirit becomes the ghost itself, the reason they don't move on is because they feel they have unfinished business. I'm just going to say, there's a lot of movies I want to see. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm just imagining, like, the ghost who chooses to stay behind because he really wants to see the next season of Cobra Kai or something like that. <laughs> or I want to, oh, oh, wait, Star Wars is opening. We got to go, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, just saying. So if I'm haunting a movie theater later in, later in, in, the, in my afterlife, uh, you know why. Um, <laughs> Did you see the, I know I, sorry, this is a tangent, but I shared a uh, ghost meme in our uh, group text recently, but it has that, uh, so it has Demi Moore and um, Patrick Swayze from Ghost, and they're, you know, sitting there doing their, um, you know, around the pottery yeah. wheel, you know, doing their ceramic stuff. And then in the background, you have uh, a Ghostbuster, but yeah. the, the head of the Ghostbuster is like that smug Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. shot from uh, Django Unchained. And it's just like such a funny visual, <laughs> like, this romantic scene from Ghost. And then you've got the smug Ghostbuster DiCaprio in the background ready to take him out. It's so good. Yeah, I know. It, that was a good one. But yeah, so <laughs> business, I think I'll be haunting a movie theater after I pass away. Anyway. Oh, that's a good call. Uh, yeah, just so I can watch movies. Anyway, let's talk about this week's list, shall we? Yeah. All right, cool. Well, let's uh, take a quick break and roll the thing. And now for the top five. Okay, Peter. Um, this week was this week was my pick. Um, so um, we are talking about our favorite X-Men. Now, where does this list come up in the grand scheme of me wanting to do this list? Back before we started the show, when it was still in conversation stage four years ago, when we were still like, let's do a podcast. How do we do this? Let's learn how to do a podcast. And we decided we were going to do this top five. I had a list of 
list ideas that I thought would be fun to do at some point. And for some reason, I never got to this one. I never threw it on the table. Yeah. I double checked all of the stuff we've done to see if we've actually uh, had done uh, this before. And we had not. So that's cool. Um, so let's talk about our favorite X-Men characters. Now, <laughs> my idea with this was I've been catching up on a lot of Marvel comics. Um, I fell behind heavily because I wasn't reading Marvel for a little while. And now I'm trying to catch up and uh, read a lot of the stuff. And I'm having a blast reading it. Um and the thing that caught my attention was I just got finished. I just finished reading AVX or Avengers versus X-Men. And I'll be completely honest. If we're eventually going to get X-Men in the MCU, I would be willing to put money on it right now that they're going to build towards Avengers versus X-Men. Oh, yes. As a um, movie <laughs> idea. Um, I don't that'll see be like the Civil War event of phase six or something <laughs> exactly like it could dude i'm telling you if they were to go that route it'd be amazing um and it answers some questions about the phoenix and like it's man that was a really really good series and i think everyone should read it it was great um and it that deals with some of the fallout from house of m with wanda's no more mutants thing and it does show how physically physically powerful wanda really is when dealing with the phoenix Whew. because, you know, I think that was kind of underplayed originally back in the day, but it made me, but catching up with my Marvel comics has also made me look at old school stuff. So I've read a lot of, I've gone back and kind of started reading some of the Jim Lee era X-Men books. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm having a lot of fun reading X-Men right now. So I also have rewatched a bunch of the X-Men movies, which are way better than I think we took them for. Um, Originally, I think with all the MCU stuff going on, there's some X-Men movies that people are like, nah, it's X-Men. And it got shoved under the carpet a little bit. But they're way better, I think, than we all remember. And I think they should be all revisit. I think we should all take a minute and revisit them because they're really good. Yeah. Uh, that being said, New Mutants is going to be dropping on Disney Plus soon if it's not already there. Um, so if you haven't seen New Mutants yet, it should be dropping soon on Disney Plus. Nice. Um, so I do have two honorable mentions. Uh, that's that was my thinking when I did this list. And I was thinking primarily focusing on the characters that are good guys, per se. Yeah. OK, because the reason I say that is because there's two coins of the X-Men franchise. There's the X-Men and there's the Brotherhood. Uh, sorry, the Brotherhood yeah. of Mutants and the Brotherhood, Brotherhood of Mutants were always considered the bad guys. But it depends on your political standpoint as to where you align yourself. You know what I mean? So but. The way the comics and the shows and everything <laughs> put them, the good guys is what I was thinking, which would call themselves the X-Men. So, yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Um, I think uh, I think this is a really fun list. I think um, X-Men has never been like my favorite comic book, but I still really love the team and a lot of the characters. And um, for me, it's like always gone back to the movies as well as like the 90s series that I like truly love. I probably... As far as comic books, I don't know if I think, Drew, I think you've read a lot more of the X-Men proper comic books than I have. But uh, I do love some of those runs. I love uh, like the 90s Jim Lee stuff is just awesome, like great stories, great art. Uh, that was like part of a huge run that Chris Claremont was writing for. I want to say he was like writing X-Men for decades or it, almost, it at least seems like that. He had like a super long run, which is pretty cool because. You can imagine all the different sort of story threads and stuff he was actually able to get uh, to 
play out completely as opposed to like some of these comics where it's like one writer for six issues and then another writer for six issues and you never see that big epic conclusion come you know what i mean it's like everything's switching up all the time so chris claremont x-men stuff is really awesome and uh oh the other the other um kind of run i wanted to mention is uh i'm a huge fan of joe Matarera as an artist and he had like a run on the x-men in the late 90s that some of those stories i just really love but uh anyways i feel like my list isn't as obscure as i wanted it to be like i wanted to be pulling out some of these really weird <laughs> bizarre x-men mutants and a lot of my uh choices are a lot more uh tentpole sort of X, x-men characters but they're still still characters that i really love so yeah um, I, do, I have i do expect to uh match a lot here um or at least in a couple places i expect to match a bunch so for sure um i do have two honorable mentions as well um Same. so i guess i can jump in yeah you got first pick anyway because it's my list so yeah so the first one i wanted to go with was uh bishop um, that's my first honorable mention. And I think Bishop is just, it really comes down to, this is just a really badass character. Like I remember on the, uh, nineties animated series, like this was just a character that me and all my friends thought was badass. And he was one of those characters that he kind of comes in, like he's not there right away. He's only in a handful of episodes, if I remember correctly, but that kind of made him, even more alluring where we just <laughs> kind of glommed on to like, Oh, when Bishop shows up, you know, things are going to get badass. but he's got a cool, he's got a cool backstory. I like the whole, like he comes from this dystopian future and um, you know, he's got like all this like cool, like futuristic weapon weaponry and stuff. And I like his uh, sort of like, energy absorbing and then reprojecting it out is like a cool sort of power set as well. Yeah. So he's just a cool character. Um, and I really liked when it goes to the X-Men movies, I, I remember in um, days of futures past, which is that the name of the film or did they changed it? Didn't they? I think it was just X-Men futures past. I think that's what the film was called. I just think of the comic book arc. <laughs> What's that? No, what that's called it's the days of future past. Right. Um, but the, the, the film was X-Men Futures Past, right? No, it's the same. It is? Yeah. Okay. I, Maybe I, I looked, I looked cause I was really confused cause I had heard that too. And I had looked, <laughs> I looked and how about this? The copy I have on my shelf says the days of future past. And then I, it's the same thing on the, um, the Blu-ray I have. So. Okay. For some reason, I thought they changed it a little bit for the movie, but, um, I remember in that movie they had Bishop and you just get a glimpse of the character and it kind of, I don't think like, I don't remember him having a part in apocalypse or any of the other movies, but I think it kind of sucks because it seemed like the casting and the look of the character, the character design, the casting, like everything looked spot on and you just wanted to have more of a presence of a uh, bishop in those movies but you only kind of got a glimpse of the character unfortunately but uh yeah yeah i don't know if you have any thoughts on this character drew no bishop's really cool i i always at first you're like "Ooh, this guy's got guns what's he do and you're just yeah. like he's got guns and then you get to see the absorption power um mm -hmm. i'm with you on the show in terms of bishop when he appeared on the cartoon you're just like yeah bishop and those were always some really fun episodes um and then when you go back and read the like Chris Claremont's run on uh, X Men with Jim Lee and everything, um, Bishop is a heavy part of that series. Um, yeah. And going back and looking at the comic book now, 
Um, I didn't realize how heavy of a character Bishop was or how much he played into the series. Um, yeah, really cool. I like Bishop a lot, so. Nice. Yeah, you, you basically said everything about Bishop that I was gonna, <laughs> that I probably would have said. So he's got a really cool character design too, like just the physical look of the character. I always liked a lot. So I think I think what's cool is his character design looks so 90s, but it also looks really timeless in a weird way, which is pretty cool. But um, yeah, what's your next pick? Uh, my next pick or your is first pick. My I guess first I should pick say. is <laughs> my first honorable mention is Nightcrawler. Um, awesome. I think Nightcrawler is a really cool character. I love the teleportation and I love how he's depicted in the uh, movies and uh, in the movie. Um, yeah. And how they handle the teleportation with the smoke and stuff. It's just so cool. Um, Nightcrawler for me, in terms of like, I've never felt like sympathetic towards the character. So I never, I was just like, his, I mean, he's like, I was always like, he's okay. Um, but for some reason, like, I feel like he would be higher on my list. Um, but like, I feel like the general public holds Nightcrawler a little bit on a pedestal in terms of how cool the character is. And I never really liked the character that much. I was just like, he's a really cool addition to the team. I really like the, I really like the physical look of him. I like the, uh, the powers he has. And that's kind of where I draw the line. I just think he's a cool <laughs> character, but I feel, yeah, it's kind of like, I feel like Nightcrawler to me in the X-Men series is like, the way the fans put hold Boba Fett up on right, right. the pedestal, if you will. <laughs> so I think that's really funny. I've never heard anybody put it that way, but it is true. Like Nightcrawler, such a cool visual, like visually such an awesome character. And then you go into his powers. He's really like awesome. But like, I do understand that when it comes to like his actual, actual character, he might not be the most relatable character and that might just go into like his backstory. Like he's like this mutant who was like brought up in like a German monastery. <laughs> like it's not necessarily the most relatable backstory when you think of like your typical X-Men reading audience, which I think is pretty funny. But uh, no, I love Nightcrawler. I think he's really badass. I love his uh, power set. The way they depicted him in X-Men 2 was just so cool. And um Oh, I've, I've always loved how he's like, you know, he's kind of has this staunch Catholic background, but he also looks like a literal demon, which I think is a cool just visually. There's a like a really cool, smart dichotomy to his character right there, you know? Yeah, agreed. Um, all right, man. What's your next honorable mention? Yeah. So my next one, I probably have less to say about uh, compared to Bishop, but I went with Iceman and uh this is a character who it's really, for me, it comes down to, like, I really love his powers. Like, I think Iceman's powers are really cool, and the way they depict, like, yeah, he can make ice, like, big deal. But I love when they <laughs> depict him, like, where he has, like, kind of this ice bridge that he can, like, glide around. Like, he can almost go uh, anywhere with his ice and, like, uh, what were you going to say? The ice surfing, if you will. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say that, too. Like, some of those old action figures where it had, like, Iceman with, like, this ice surfboard. Like, it was just such a cool visual. Um, and also, like, just to relate it back to what I was saying before about um, I really liked, especially the artwork on those those old uh, Joe Matarera, um comics. But I really like his portrayal of I Iceman because, like, Joe Matarera, his 
art style is kind of somewhere in between like the classic image comics and from the 90s and like manga. And I think that sort of uh, amalgamation leads to some really cool character designs. But I always thought he had like a really cool design for Iceman because he kind of just looked like, you know, this big like awesome muscly superhero dude but he had like the ice like sort of like spiky ice hair and he's got like those two mean eyes but he had that classic design where it's just like kind of the ice ice man's face he's got those two mean eyes but then he doesn't have like the nose or the mouth kind of like similar to if you think of like a character like spawn or spider-man like that sort of character design where you have those two badass looking eyes and then no mouth or anything on their mask. It always looks cool. And I always appreciated that specific design of the character, if that's making any sense at all. So uh, yeah, Iceman. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, all right. So my next, my final honorable mention is the Scarlet Witch. Now, awesome. The reason Scarlet Witch makes an honorable mention on this list is at one point, she's an X-Men, but primarily she's seen as a, one of the Brotherhood of the Mutants or an Avenger. Um, I think she's more Brotherhood of Mutants and Avenger than she is X-Men. And that's okay. the only reason she makes an honorable mention, because I wanted to put her higher, but I didn't feel like she fit the bill of what I was looking for in the uh, um, when I was putting my list together. Um, I do not have to talk about my love for Scarlet Witch because I've talked about it a lot on this show. Um, she's just an amazing character, but that's the reason she gets an honorable mention in terms of the first the, the actual picks for the night. So I think I think she's a really cool pick. I think she's somebody who should make my list, but I think I don't know enough about Scarlet Witch from the comic book angle. But um, I do really enjoy especially like the movie version of that character, I think, is awesome. And uh, well, I just haven't read enough X-Men comics I think, I know, <laughs> to know a ton about it. I know that I'm always bringing up House of M, but after reading um, AVX, read House of M. And then read AVX, and you're going to be like Scarlet, which is the greatest character on the face of the planet. <laughs> nice. She's the coolest thing ever. Um, yeah, that's just that's just my opinion. Anyway, um, first actual pick, Peter. I'm just going to move off of Scarlet Witch because I talk about her a lot. So anyway, <laughs> so I could make this super easy on myself and go with uh, Nightcrawler. I was actually saving this character for higher up, but uh, yeah, I definitely went with Nightcrawler, and I think I touched on most of the things. I liked I like about this character already, but I just think Nightcrawler is a really cool, like super unique and just really cool character. Um, yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, that's awesome because we can make this fast as well, because my first pick was going to be Bishop. Oh, so, <laughs> since we already talked about him, that's where like we're going to have these weird matches. But we're also going to I think what we're going to have is um, I think we're going to go a little bit uh, roundabout on this one. So. Um, but yeah, uh, Bishop was my first pick of the day. So when you brought it up and since we already talked about him, we can move on, but Bishop's a cool guy. So, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so I Back guess I, to that, you, man. <laughs> yeah, that could go on my next pick. Um, I actually went with Rogue, who I didn't oh, expect okay. to necessarily make my pit, my list, but I was thinking back, like while putting my list together, I was thinking back to the, uh, that classic 90s animated series a lot and I just remember Rogue was one of the more 
I think fun characters on that show. Like when I really thought about it, whenever there was a fight scene, whatever rogue had going on was always really cool. And I liked how they really accentuated her sort of like Southern personality and upbringing as well as kind of, uh, I don't know. She has that cool power set. I know she, uh, absorbed it from uh is it miracle man i might have that wrong but she uh she has the flight and the uh super strength which i'm a super superman fan so you know i'm gonna love (laughs) that aspect of it but i also just thought her like the way her like actual like true mutant power works of her like absorbing other characters abilities and sometimes even like personality traits and stuff as well as like her like having to gain control over that so she doesn't actually like cause physical harm to every person she touches i think there's like some really cool concepts there and it's kind of like a really simple concept but in the comics and then especially in the movies too and like how her power set really affects the plot of like those first couple X-Men movies we got. I think they really thought like in both cases, comics and movies, they really thought of really fun, really extensive ways to play out that like just cool concept of her power set, if that makes sense. So I could probably leave that pretty vague. I don't know if I have a ton more to say about Rogue, but it's just kind of weird when I thought about it. I was like, no, I think she is, yeah, like one of my favorite X-Men characters. So let's be clear on the Rogue power, though, because like she absorbed the power to fly and she was able to hang on to it. She absorbed the ability to strength and she was able to hang on to it. But a lot of times when she absorbs these powers, she doesn't get to keep them. Yeah, yeah. Temporary is a limited time. Um, but the problem is, and this is one thing I think is really great with Rogue, um, is the fact that she knows that if she touches someone and she absorbs their power, she's also stealing their life energy. Yeah. So if she's not careful, she could kill you by mistake. And there's some really touching moments where like, you know, when she like in the movies, when she has that relationship with Iceman and she knows she can't touch him because, you know, she wants to be physical with him. She wants to be affectionate, but she can't because if she does, she could actually kill him by mistake. Yeah. Uh, and she's got to be careful that way. There's a touching moment in um, it's it's kind of a fu- it's it's a touching moment, but it's kind of funny at the same time in um, Ultimate X-Men where I think it's I want to say it's Jean Grey and Cyclops are having this affectionate moment. And Rogue was kind of like spying on them a little bit. Not because she was like, what's going on over there? But it was more of a, I wish I could have a moment like that myself. And Colossus is like, you need to like, oh no, it was Juggernaut was like, you need to stop peeping. <laughs> She's like, shut up, dude. Like, cause he doesn't understand like her longing to have that kind of affectionate relationship. So she's mm. got this, like, she's got this, this is touching, like empathetic side where we're just like, we've all had those moments where we're like, oh man, I want that too. You know, and she just can't and she knows she can't. She's hindered by it. Um, Yeah. So when you look at movies like X-Men 3 and they have that idea of being able to remove the mutant powers, of course, she'd be one of the first ones to sign up because then she, unlike all the rest of them, doesn't know what a normal life is. Like there's like Wolverine, because he's got a healing ability. Ultimately, that's what his power is. He could hide that and have a normal life. Yeah. You know what I mean? But she can't hide her power and have a normal life the way he can you know yeah absolutely and just relating it to the movies again like i think it's really cool uh i'm pretty sure it's in the first movie where they show it was kind of rogues like first time um 
like being intimate with like a boyfriend or whatever. Like the first time she tries to make out with a boy as a teenager, she like literally <laughs> causes him literally almost harm because yeah. Yeah. And it's like that. Think of that was such a dramatic way to um, discover, like to show her discovering her powers, because like that would scare the crap out of anybody. And that's just like I feel like that was a really smart choice to do and like such a dramatic way to play that out that I feel like doesn't get talked about enough or probably doesn't get enough credit. But uh, definitely a really cool choice they made there. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, so we can't talk about Rogue without talking about my next pick, and that's Gambit. <laughs> we actually matched on this one. I figured so. <laughs> I figured we matched on this one. Gambit, go back to the Chris Claremont uh, comics, go back to the X-Men 90s cartoon. Gambit and Rogue were a couple, in a sense, and mm-hmm. Gambit is, I think he's like, he's got that attitude, I think, all of us want to have. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's like, I feel like Gambit is the best, like, Hey, we need a Han Solo type character for this X-Men universe. And someone said, well, how about this? I got this guy and you get Gambit. Um, really cool character, really cool um, attitude towards life. If you will. Um, mm-hmm. He's got, he's got this amazing, like, physical look like the art style the way they depicted the character and everything real cool look for the guy um i love his like the bow staff and he's clearly got some martial arts training or whatever but then you throw in the explosive cards and look he can basically grab anything make it explosive and throw it so like basically anything he touches basically turns into a grenade but for him it's playing cards so just the visual of the cards flying like throwing stars and stuff it's really absolutely cool. um mm-hmm. i always really liked that gambit has been a favorite of mine ever since the introduction of the x-men um so there was no way he couldn't be on this list but yeah everything you just said um i agree with um i we did our top five marvel heroes at one point and gambit made my list so he had to make my top five x-men for sure but this is like for me it's going back to that old i'm sorry like a lot of my choices do go back to this but the 90s animated x-men series when i was a kid and i was in grade school and we were playing on the playground and we decided to play x-men and everybody would pick a character to be gambit was one of the characters that everybody wanted to be because he was that cool it's like the first person who gets to choose would always go for wolverine and then if you got lucky you got to be gambit for that day but if you didn't you'd be like crap now who who do i gotta pick because everybody just loved those two characters so much so i don't know how much to add to what you said because i've already talked about this character back on our marvel heroes episode and you kind of said a lot but i just think it goes to show like go back to recess back in those grade school days we all wanted to be gambit and i feel like that says a lot more <laughs> than anything else i could say so yeah <laughs> all we got to do is get them to get gambit right on screen you true know? true story just saying um all right so that throws it back to me right because we matched yeah all right so my next one is psylocke um, oh nice i look psylocke i have always enjoyed as a character like always enjoyed as a character um, from physical look of the character to the powers. Yeah, she's mostly a telepath, but then she's got the psychic blades too. Yeah, I so thought that cool. was really cool. Um, <laughs> they they couldn't have, I don't think they could have, ah, you know what? I really don't know. Because I really, really like Olivia Munn. So I thought that was so amazing that Olivia Munn got yeah. cast as Psylocke when I put her in Apocalypse. But I wonder if Psylocke could have been portrayed as some, like, 
they could have picked a different actress. I do wonder, but I thought Olivia Munn did nicely for the little bit that she was in the movie. And I wish they would have done more with her in the film. Yeah. She, um, she's another case like Bishop where they got the casting really good. And then the costume looked so perfect. And then they didn't like, do enough with her. You know? Yeah. Like they didn't, you know, sometimes when you do, when you look at Psylocke's costume and you think to yourself, she's going to be in the next movie. How are they going to pull that costume off? They did, and not like they didn't shy away from it. They're like, "Hey, we know it's a skimpy costume, but this is what it looks like. The fans are gonna want it to look like this, so we're gonna make it look like this." <laughs> like, <laughs> so as an actress, you're gonna have to suck this up. Um, so, but yeah, no, like I just I've always liked Psylocke as a character, and then her story being intertwined with all the stuff in Japan, um, and which links her heavily to Wolverine because of all the stuff he did in Japan, like learn it, like all the sort of Ronin stuff, if you will, that ties into the Ronin things. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a really cool tie-in in how it all kind of, like, fits together as everything coalesces into one big story. Um, I've just always really liked the character. Um, and, like I said, she's a lot more involved in the X-Men than I remember, because I think they kind of skipped over her a bit when they did the 90s show, but she's, he- she's a huge part of that Chris Claremont-Jim Lee run. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Jim Lee drew this character super well. Um, I think yeah. Psylocke's a good call. I, she made my short list. Um, There's just a couple other characters that edged her out. But uh, no, I agree with uh, all the points you just made about this character. And I think she's a great pick and just a really cool, cool character. So, yeah, good call. Cool, man. Uh, what do you got for me in the next one? Yeah, so my next one, I actually went with uh, Beast. Which um, oh. I don't talk about Beast a lot, but I this was I actually like most people the, don't talk about Beast a lot. <laughs> yeah, but this is actually the third character that I thought of when I put my li- my list together. Um, so he definitely was like top three for me. And I think I think Beast really cool. I think um, when it comes to character design, he's actually kind of in a way kind of similar to what I was saying about Nightcrawler. There's a really cool duality with just his character design with how he looks like this big burly like feral creature but he has such a genius level intellect and stuff like that and I always appreciated that about him it's kind of like a it's kind of like they took a really good one-liner and then like built a character out of it that I've always appreciated but um yeah it's kind of hard to know what to say like I just think he's got a cool power set I think he's got a cool presence um I I really like Kelsey Grammer as an actor. So of course I like to see him playing beast. And uh, I think it was X-Men three, the last stand that had Kelsey Grammer in there. And that was like, that was really cool. But at the same time, I felt like they didn't showcase enough of what beast was and like what he could do. And that's why I like, as far as movie portrayals, I actually like the way he was portrayed in a uh, first class a lot more, um, especially when it comes to the, makeup work and the prosthetic sort of beast suit and like physical presence of that that character i think that they pulled it off really well in that movie um in fact one of my friends that i went to see x-men first class with he said after (laughs) after we left the theater he said well they should have just taken that beast beast suit and and spray painted it like brown or gray and that's what they could have used for the benicio del toro wolfman movie (laughs) 
because he just <laughs> thought the beast suit like looked like just physically looked so much better than what they did for the uh, Wolfman reboot with Benicio del Toro. But um, yeah, I don't know if I have too much else to say. I just always thought beast was cool. And I've just really, I really enjoy his presence, both like physically as well as just that like intellect that he still has um, intact, you know, and his grotesque mutant form, if you will. So, yeah. And uh, you know, it's interesting. It's beast is one of my least favorite um oh yeah <laughs> x-men characters i just nice i mean he serves his purpose but i've never really like i didn't i guess i never really like oh i like beast <laughs> yeah <know>? um, <laughs> just he's there nice <laughs> yeah even in the comics i'm always like okay it's a beast scene <laughs> that's funny um all right so my next pick is magic um right nice magic is awesome uh this is colossus's sister um you get a a bit of a if you watch the movie new mutants you will get uh, anya taylor joy plays magic um she has a soul sword that um is part of her abilities but her abilities include uh, a little bit of reality altering not to the level of scarlet witch but astral projection and teleportation and stuff like that like she's got some really cool abilities which um, can really mess with your mind if you're dealing with her as a character and then throw in the fact that um, her they they always have her depicted well, like just in terms of the art style, the way she's oh, yeah. on, like like she she's I think magic is like one of the coolest characters um, just in terms of visuals. Um, forget all the like uh, character development exposition stuff and the powers, like just physically looking at the character. She's she's an awesome looking character. Um but no, I always liked, I think, I thought she was cool. And she kind of surprised me in terms of when I was putting my list together um, in the sense that I've always liked her character. And I feel like she's kind of on the newer front compared to some of these other X-Men characters. Yeah. But um, it's just, hey, magic's awesome. Like she had to make the list somewhere. So. Yeah, I think um, I think magic is really cool. Um, I love like, of course, like the, her visuals with like that gigantic sword and uh all that i just this is a character this is a character who i like a lot but kind of falls into the scarlet witch zone for me where i just don't know enough about her to like consider oh, okay. her one of my favorites but uh no definitely a good call and definitely a character i was thinking about when i put my list together so sure. all right very cool well what is your final pick of the night and i have a feeling we both match unless you're gonna <laughs> yeah. choose unless you're gonna choose the other side of the coin um so i went with uh this is the first character that I picked. This is one of the first characters that I'll think of if we do like a top five Marvel heroes list, which I guess we already did this, but I'm saying this is one of my, the first characters that I thought of in that case as well. And that is a uh, Wolverine. I think this is one of, one yes, of the coolest. Because <laughs> when, when I said, unless you pick the other side, I thought maybe you'd be like, or well, I picked Cyclops. Well, I picked Wolverine. Like, <laughs> Oh, I see where you're going with that. I was actually trying to figure out, but yeah, good call. <laughs> I think Wolverine is one of the, he's one of the greatest just comic book characters ever. Like he's, he's got such a striking design. He's got like a cool, like he's got a simple power set, but it's so cool and it makes sense. Like everything about his design makes sense. And like the, the, um, his claws that come out of his hands, like those make sense with his, uh, regeneration and healing powers. And, uh, 
I don't know. It's just Wolverine's one of those like really timeless feeling characters where, like I said, playing on the playground, everybody wanted to be either Wolverine or Gambit. And he was the coolest character back then. And I feel like he's still the coolest X-Men character today. And uh, I don't know, like there's so many aspects to this character that's awesome. Like there's the whole like how he ages so slow because of his power set and how that is just a cool concept in its in its in and of itself and all that. And uh, I don't know, I'm kind of rambling. But Drew, what do you have to say about Wolverine? (laughs) So here's all right. So this is what makes Wolverine really cool in my book. Um, One, he's got literally he literally has probably one of the coolest designs, no matter how yeah. drawn, whether it's the Weapon X like experimentation design or whether it's the orange and uh, brown costume or the yellow and blue or, you know, the, the black leather from the films or however you do it. Wolverine's design always looks amazing or the or you throw on the eye patch and the cowboy hat when he's like got the using the patch uh, motif. Um, Wolverine. And then you throw in his powers. Ultimately, his powers are healing factor. That is yep. it. Um, it's not like the guy's got super strength. It's not like the, like the adamantium claws. Those are added in. Those are a part of a government experimentation because of his healing ability. Like, hey, we're going to do this. So now his bones are laced with adamantium. And you're just like, well, now he's got unbreakable bones and the healing factor. The healing factor keeps his aging down. You know, like... There is so much cool about this character just in that alone. But then you throw in the loner drifter. Yeah, that's a good story. Yeah, that's a good throw in the loner drifter backstory where he doesn't know. He doesn't remember. He doesn't have his memories. He doesn't have these parts of his life because it's all been blocked by everything going on in the military experimentation that went on with him. Um, So peeling back the layers of the onion, if you will, as Professor X tries to probe or anything like that you get this really amazing story of a character. Um, But then take Wolverine, you know, whether you're talking about the show, the movies, take him into the comics and expand on. And you think to yourself, well, he was a loner drifter kind of a thing. Why is he joining all these like teams? Why is he on the Avengers? Why is he on the X-Men? Why is he doing that? Why is he doing that? You know, like that doesn't really fit the bill. And then as you read on and then you get to segments where like, the reason he fit the bill is the reason he's joining these teams and being a part of this is because he agreed with professor X's ultimate goal and he saw good in it. And that makes you go, Oh, okay. It's not just an issue of a guy changing. It's a guy understanding what professor X was trying to achieve. And like, we can, if we work together and do it this way. So he bought into the, he basically started drinking the professor's Kool-Aid, if you will. Um, and it just it makes him a cool character because every time you wonder a little bit more, you got to dig a little deeper because not knowing anything. This is a true mysterious character that you want to know more of. This isn't like it's not like a like, you know, when I, I used to talk about how if you take the mask off Boba Fett or you try and dig too deep, it's going to wreck the character. And in some ways it kind of did. This is a character that there's so much so many layers still to learn because yeah. in a way it surprises you. You're like, no way, you know. So, um, but yeah. yeah, when someone says X-Men, I think you automatically think Wolverine. I think he's the first and foremost character <laughs> to think of. So Absolutely. So with everything I was saying before about Wolverine, I feel like 
I essentially just said Wolverine is the coolest character ever, but uh, actually <laughs> all the things you just said reminded me of a couple points that I did kind of want to uh, touch on because you did mention he's part of uh, the X-Men and he's part of the Avengers. And there's actually a number of other uh, superhero teams in the Marvel universe that he's a part of. And I feel like that's something that I feel like, especially in the nineties, like I've heard it said that, the people at Marvel realized that if you put Wolverine on the cover of a team book, it always sells. <laughs> like people will just buy a Marvel like team superhero book if Wolverine's on the cover. And because of that, he actually became part of so many superhero teams that kind of got ridiculous. But that just kind of shows like how good of a character and how good of a character design and how striking he is that he has that amount of popularity. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about too, directly relating to uh, team superhero or superhero teams is when you have a team of superheroes, it always comes down to like that classic, like D and D class vario variations almost where you have like, you have your barbarian and you have your controller and you kind of have like, you have your tactician and you have like all these people who play certain roles. And I feel like the X-Men definitely has that where you have all the different characters and all the different skills that they bring to whatever specific battle they're engaged with. But the thing about Wolverine and not saying he's the only character who can do this, but I feel like he does it really well is Wolverine can also his solo co comics sell so well and it goes into his personality as well as his power set as well as the loner drifter aspect you were talking about Drew Wolverine works so well as a solo character and it, it, it doesn't always work that way like I know they've had solo comics for Cyclops and uh, Storm and like different X-Men characters, but I always feel like, and I don't have the numbers to back this up, but I always feel like the Wolverine solo comics sell so much better than those because he's just that good of a character. Um, the last thing I did want to touch on, because I don't want to ramble on too much, is another thing that I think you can really measure a good superhero character by is how many uh, independent comics rip off that character and his design. <laughs> And I feel like when you look at indie superhero comics, a lot of people like to rip off Batman and a lot of people like to rip off Wolverine. And I feel like that's just a testament to how great of a character Wolverine is, because you go to a comic convention and you go to Artist Alley and look at the indie comics. And a lot of times you find a handful of them that have a character who has either Wolverine's design or personality just changed up a, a little bit. And I don't know if you've noticed that trend, Drew, but I've definitely noticed a ton yeah, of I've uh, Wolverine ripoffs <laughs> out there. So. I've noticed. And we know comic creators and stuff borrow from each other all the time. But yeah, I've noticed Wolverine is one that's heavily borrowed from a lot. So Absolutely. Um, however, since you mentioned that people borrow from Batman 2, one of the coolest borrowing crossovers was... Uh, Dark Claw? Is that Dark Claw? Thinking? Thank you. I yeah. want for some reason I want to say Death Claw, but I'm like that's not right. Death Claw is a creature from the Fallout video game series. No, uh, Dark Claw is in the Marvel versus DC crossover event. Um, Dark Claw was the combination of Batman and mm -hmm. Wolverine together, and the design aspect is awesome looking. It's just a real, again, go Google it. It's a really cool looking image. Um, but you it was really, but it was cool in the end. So 
you would think there'd be more dark claw um cosplays going around at conventions i don't know what's what's wrong with everybody but <laughs> yeah right. you'd think you'd see that more <laughs> <laughs> right well um yeah that kind of brings us to the end of this week's list uh peter what are we doing next week it's your pick so what we should be doing is probably doing the uh top five X-Men villains or Brotherhood of the Mutants characters. But in typical top five report fashion, I thought it would be best to go with something completely different (laughs) and save the Brotherhood of the Mutants conversation for a different time. Um, So next week, I don't know why I thought of this, but I thought of this a couple weeks ago. And this is an out of the blue, really random list, but I think it'll be fun. I thought it'd be fun to talk about our top five music videos So going back to the old days when MTV used to play music videos all the time and stuff. And that seems super random, but I will say a couple of my favorite music videos from all all time do have like some pretty nerdy comic book tie ins. And I know (laughs) saying that, Drew, you might know what I'm talking about, but you you might not. But I think this would be a fun fun conversation and definitely a good random pop culture thing to touch on. Um, so I hope you're down to do this list. I feel like my whole list is going to be weird Al. Uh, <laughs> and that would be awesome. Actually go for it. <laughs> um, yeah, no, very cool. Right on. Um, yeah, I'm down for music videos. We can discuss that because I feel like a lot of people don't know what music videos are anymore. And there's, um, there's also the aspect of like, I mean, sorry, not to go too too long, but you have like certain directors, like even uh, Zack Snyder was known as like a music video director originally. And I think there's ways to bring this conversation to be really relevant to what we typically talk about on the show. So, yeah, yeah. Um, well, very cool. Well, that kind of brings us to the end. So next week we'll be talking about music videos um so until then do us all a favor and check out our website top5report.com there you'll find links to all of our social media twitter and facebook along with a link to our email top5report at gmail.com you can hit us up there social media either way works we are on google play iHeartRadio, stitcher apple podcasts um you can subscribe to us in those places if you do you will not miss a single episode you can also leave us a review Um, We love those five stars, but we also understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Peter? Uh, Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at NinjaPierre. And that's where I'll be discussing whether the X-Men films were based on true events or if it all was just a huge act, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) I'm like, where are you going with this? Um, All right, everybody. For the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.